0: Hey, this is Carrie. We're on hiatus right now, but Amy doesn't understand the definition of hiatus, which means we're recording at least a little bit of intro.
1: I'm Amy. I like to make Carrie do things that she doesn't always want to do in the name of sociability. So while we're on a hiatus, we want to share some of our podcasts with you where we have been guests and I'm making Carrie talk to me forcible conversation.
0: Back in (laughs) 2021, Amy connected with Jennifer Callieris, a novelist, writing instructor with UCLA, and fellow bookstagrammer. Her podcast, Books Are My People, is a shorter-length podcast where Jennifer usually has a guest, and they talk about their top Three current reads.
1: Jennifer was a guest to our podcast in February of 2022, which was season six, episode 121. And we have been book buddies with her ever since. This week, we're airing an episode where we were on her podcast. Jennifer is truly one of my favorite people that I have met on Bookstagram. And if you listen to more episodes, and you should, you must check out the ones she does occasionally with her dad, who I believe is in his 90s. Uh, he is a former Hollywood screenwriter, and those episodes are just, they're just precious. Remember that
0: in season 10, which will be coming up eh, mid-January, Amy has a new project, she loves a project, which is to give listeners book recommendations. If you're looking for a new book set in Croatia, or a book about crocodiles, or a book about witches, or anything in between, send us a message, and we, by that, I mean, mostly Amy, will recommend a similar read you can add to your nightstand.
1: But first, we're recording this on Tuesday, New January. New Year's Day. Yeah, January 1st, and last night was New Year's Eve, and I went crazy and stayed up till 10.30. 10.30, Woo. yeah. That's later than I normally stay up on New Year's Eve, but we had plans. And we never have plans on New Year's Eve. We went with some friends of ours to a new restaurant in town. It's a Chef Edward Lee restaurant. He's an award-winning James Beard uh, chef. He's had several restaurants in Louisville and in Washington, D.C., but he has a new Korean steakhouse called Nami. I'd heard great things about it. They had a New Year's Eve pre-fee menu sounded delicious. And so we decided to go. And they even had the New Year's hats and the noisemakers at your table, which we all wore while we were eating, even though it was only like eight o'clock. <laughs> so that was
0: my that New sounds, Year's Eve. Uh, I mean, the food sounds good, but the hats and the all that sounds a little too festive for me.
1: What did you do on your New Year's Eve?
0: Uh, the same thing I've been doing for the past seven, eight nights, which is watch a movie. We've watched movies. Pretty much every night. I mean, we've seen a bunch of movies, which has been awesome. I
1: have been doing nothing. Absolutely nothing. In fact, I invited you to go do a couple things and you said, nah, to all nope. of them. <laughs> nope. Nope. Like, <laughs> I don't want to see you. Go away. Yeah. I'm reveling in my sluggishness. Yes.
0: Because, you know, the, the, now next week is going to be a little bit busier. I've got, I think, something every day. And then, you know, after that, then I start back into the 5.20 in the morning, working, taking kids, picking kids up, all that stuff. So I'm going to enjoy being a slug. I get yeah. that. But we watched a ton of movies. We watched Get Out. We watched Us. We watched Asteroid City. We watched The Lighthouse. But we also watched Saltburn, which
1: is... You talked about last week. You had mentioned that it, it was similar to a Patricia Highsmith novel,
0: well, somebody yeah. that I am friends with on Facebook had said that it, you know, it was kind of Tom Ripley ish. And it was, but oh man, like if you've seen the talented Mr. Ripley, if you've seen that movie with Jude Law and Matt Damon, if that's what you're expecting from Saltburn, you're going to get that same feel, except you're going to get a lot of nudity and a lot of sex and a lot of. Mm, queasy things that make you go, uh-huh,
1: Oh, did he really do that? So it sounds like not my kind of movie. I
0: think. No, no. I, I mean, when I was watching it, I was thinking, Oh yeah. Amy could not handle this. Amy I, could yeah. not. Nope.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's for me. That's okay. Yeah. That's but okay. it was
0: good. I mean, if you, if you can handle all those things, it's a really good movie. If you, if you can't handle the heat,
1: get out of the kitchen. Yeah, exactly. So of all the movies that you watched over the break, which ones were standouts for you?
0: I mean, Salt Burn, just because it was shocking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Get Out, I had not seen that. And so we watched that last night. Jordan yeah, that's Peele. a
1: Jordan Peele movie. I saw Get Out yeah. oh, a while ago. I loved it. I thought it was really good. Yeah.
0: My we watched it with my 16 year old and he was like, there are really white people like that. And I'm like, well, I don't know that they actually do what those people do in terms of brain surgery. But I'm like, yes, yes, there are. And it's it's a different, totally different kind of cringe factor than Saltburn, but equally shocking.
1: Well, and you said now you have seen all of Jordan Peele's movies and you said Get Out's your fave.
0: Uh, yes, that is the the best one, and then Nope would be second, and Us would be third. Okay,
1: okay, so Get Out was a standout, and Saltburn because it was just so icky, weird, cringy. Right. Any other standout for any reason? Mm -hmm. We we watched Asteroid City,
0: which is a Wes Anderson Mm -hmm. film. So I mean, that was good in that it's you know it's like an all star cast, and it's weird, but I have a hard time figuring out Wes Anderson movies. And this one was a slower pace Mm. than a lot of his other ones. Like a lot of his other films, they're, they're very fast moving. Mm -hmm. And this one was, you kind of felt, at least I did kind of felt that a little bit. I don't know. I'm trying to, you know, it's hard at this point because I've been like, just slubbing around and eating too much cheese. It's hard for me to remember the other movies we've watched.
1: Well, I went to the theater to see a movie the other day. Uh I know, I went, this is the one I turned you down on. I know, you said, "Nope." Uh we <laughs> I went to see The Boys in the Boat with a couple friends. And I had read the book. It's a nonfiction book. Probably read it five years ago. It's called The Boys in the Boat, Nine Americans and Their Epic Quest for Gold at the 1936 Berlin Olympics by Daniel James Brown. And George Clooney uh, bought the rights to the book, directed this film. And I was not expecting to like it as much as I did. I mean, the movie. I really enjoyed the book. The movie, I was like, "Eh." but this friend really wanted to go and I really wanted to get out of my house and go do something, unlike Carrie. And so I went to see it and it was really good. It is about a group of college boys in 1936, Washington State. Uh, A lot of them are uh, poor because it's the Great Depression time and they, they make the team to row a eight person skull. That's what I think they're called. Those, those long boats. And at this time, most teams uh, who are good at this are from like your Ivy Leagues, like Yale and and Harvard and on the East Coast and have a lot of money. So there, there, there's that where you have sort of these, you know, underdogs. It's an underdog sports story, basically. Uh, and it's kind of a feel good story. I wouldn't vote for it for best movie of the year, mm-hmm. but it was cer- but it was really enjoyable. It was fairly faithful to the book, but of course, they couldn't include everything that was in the book. But um, it would be a great movie to take your dad to see. Like, I think that a lot of guys would like it just because mm-hmm. of the sports aspect of it. And, you know, if you've ever seen the, the movie about like the 1980s. You know, American hockey team, the Olympics or Hoosiers. You know, it's in that space, except Mm -hmm. for rowing boats and you've got your teamwork. Yeah, it was a good movie. I enjoyed it and I'd I'd recommend it for, you know, a feel good movie. I'm not sure you would have loved it just because of a little rah-rah, you know, Mm -hmm. let's go and woohoo. And
0: sports and I have no interest in sports.
1: Yeah, but I don't know that it, I mean, the point of it was partly sports. But another part was, it was like, you know, they were overcoming adversity. They were overcoming homelessness and the fact that they had holes in their shoes and had to Mm. fill them with newspaper. They had to overcome illness. Underdog stories don't have to be just about sports. So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed
0: that. I will be perfectly fine waiting until that is streaming. Oh, yeah. And then I'll watch it.
1: But I will say that. I mean, I don't make very many New Year's resolutions, but I do have... I don't know if I call it a resolution. How about I have a New Year's... Uh, plan in, project, goal, yeah, intention. Yeah. goal, intention. Goal, intention. Mm-hmm. Goal or intention to see more movies at the movie theater. Because I really got away from it. Everybody did during covid I mean, I've been a few times since COVID, but not very many. And I really enjoy seeing a movie in a movie theater and and eating movie popcorn. That's sort of like a treat and seeing it on the on the big screen. Now, I don't want to go see things that I don't want to see, but, you know, just to fulfill that intention.
0: Right. But
1: I just like to go see more movies in a movie theater. Because I don't watch them at home. My husband doesn't like to go to the movie theater because he said we can just stream it, which is true. But there's that's a ton my of- philosophy. <laughs> uh, oh, I agree with that. You can pause it and go pee. Yeah, and for three hour movie, you know, for like some of these three hour movies, I agree with that. But there is something about the experience of watching it on a- on the big screen in the theater that I find fun. So that's my goal. I'd like to see a movie a month. I doubt that's going to. Oh happen. wow. That's a goal. That's not a, something I actually think is going to happen, considering my track record with goals for New Year's. It's not, <laughs> like means- reading, What what books are you going to read? Yeah, you're. <laughs> I think I have a feeling you're a mood movie watcher as much as
2: you I are might a be.
1: mood reader. Yeah, I just don't watch very many movies at home. I watch series, but not movies, and mm. so therefore the whole idea of Oh well, we'll stream the movie. It just doesn't work for me. Mm. Our tradition is because Dean takes off
0: between Christmas and New Year's, so we have traditionally, as the kids have been old enough to let us do this, we we try to watch a movie every night during mm. that week. We've gotten into series, but we try to watch movies. And usually, you know, like when the Oscars come out, you know, like last year when what was it? Like RRR. The Bollywood film, we watch that one, you know, so we try to watch Oscar nominated movies, but from our house, you know, not going anywhere to do it.
1: I did have something kind of exciting happen this week. Is it really exciting or is it? Well, it's kind of exciting. Okay, here, I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna show you right here. We can oh, see each other on the oh, screen. Oh, look at her. She's so cute. <laughs> we got a foster dog. Uh she has no name currently she is a little eight-month-old Maltese. I think she might be p- mixed with Poodle. So maybe she's a Malty Poo. She's mm-hmm. uh, cute. She's cute. She's a good little girl. She's a foster dog from the Louisville Metro Animal Services. She will be with us till probably mid-February when she has her spay appointment. But she is totally a lap lapdog. She, in fact, she was all over me wanting up on my lap while we were doing this so she's just been sleeping in my arms while we have been recording this and my husband he wants to call her white chocolate which i do not (laughs) like that name that's too long for a dog name it's just weird because you can't say come here white chocolate come here white chocolate well you like you can but just something stupid it, do- it doesn't roll off the tongue. No. And he just keeps saying it, I think, because I don't like it. And, you know. <laughs> I have toyed with several names. Right now, I'm basically just calling her Little Bits. Okay. Because that's what I call all little puppies. I call mm-hmm. them Little Bits until I give them a name. You could call her Fossey since she's a foster. I could call her Fossey. I also thought about Yeti because. He is,
0: yeah, Yeti because- would work
1: yeti because she's you know white like the yeti monster but yet she's the opposite of what she really is it's like yes. calling a tiny dog spike or right, you know, right. or something which i think is kind of cute but i don't know anyway she has no name but she's adorable and <laughs> my days have been filled with taking her in and out and in and out because i'm working on house training oh gosh you so. you do love a project <laughs>
0: I my philosophy is get rid, get rid, get rid, less, less, less. And you're like, more, bring more into my life.
1: <laughs> well, oh, I will say, trained puppy. my three dogs have varying thoughts about it. They kind of ignore <laughs> her for the most part. Sesame will try to play with her sometimes. But Mochi, my oldest one, she, she is giving me the death stink eye stare eyes. she's she's giving me the stink eye she's not happy with me she's probably gonna poop in my shoes she <laughs> she is unimpressed
0: I, I feel like i am a kindred spirits with mochi
1: <laughs> she, i would be like she's what? not happy what are you doing why are you doing this yeah that's the way that's the way she feels she's yeah like, how could you possibly do this to me anyway <laughs> It's probably
0: for the best that we don't know what our animals think about us at any given time.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, This week, we are going to have a five-star read recommendation from a fellow book lover who also happens to be somebody from our book club, Carrie. Oh, uh, very good. So Our friend Mindy, before we hear our appearance on Jennifer Caloyaris's podcast, Books Are My People.
3: Hey, Mindy Jett here from Our Nerdiest Thing podcast in Louisville, Kentucky, with my favorite five-star read of the year. I'm definitely in my hockey romance era, and when I discovered Emily Rath's book Pucking Around, I devoured it. This book is a wide choose where the main female character navigates through her feelings for three hot hockey guys and finds complete love in a polyamorous relationship with them. These characters are so layered and complicated in the best way possible. The book has everything I love. It's got excellent writing, witty banter, depth of plot, humorous situations, and hilarious one-liners, and plenty of spicy scenes. It's also a great representation of queer characters in different stages of their journeys. If you would like more reviews and in-depth read-alongs, you can check out at Our Nerdiest Thing on Instagram and all podcast platforms.
2: You are listening to Books Are My People, a podcast for book lovers with book news, book recommendations, and ruminations on living a literary life in Los Angeles. My name is Jennifer Caloyaris, and this is episode 68. I'm recording on January 16th, and I'm recording super early because life just got very busy. I started teaching a course at UCLA, and I'm editing a manuscript for a writer, and I'm working on my own novel, so I'm sneaking in some podcast recording time where I can. And a very me thing to have happened, my husband had to call poison control the other night. I've been suffering from sinus infections. The weather is kind of wacky here. It's hot one day and cold the next, windy one day, not the next. Um, but my sinuses are very confused because of this. So when this happens, I allow, allow myself a lovely snort of Afrin once a day. I know it's not good to use it for a long period of time, but I was just so excited because I had gotten to the end of the day and hadn't used it yet. And I ran upstairs with great enthusiasm, grabbed the bottle, snorted, and oops, it wasn't Afrin. It was a bottle of skin solution from my dermatologist. So we called poison control and my husband explained what happened. And the very patient man on the other end of the line asked what my symptoms were, and all I could say was just giggling out of control. So it turns out the skin stuff was also steroid based, so I was in the clear. If you've been lucky enough to have dodged calling poison control, kudos to you. This was not my first rodeo. When my oldest son was little, he ate some of those silica beads that come like in a packet in a new pair of shoes. and they're non-toxic apparently, but don't quote me on that. Uh, But they do ask your name and the name of your child when you call poison control. So I'm sure I'm on some list somewhere, which totally reminds me of the book I recommended last time, The School for Good Mothers. Anyhow, moral of the story, don't stick the wrong thing up your nose. And with that, it's time for some bookish news. (laughs) Speaking of The School for Good Mothers, Jessica Chastain will adapt this novel into a TV series, so we have that to look forward to. The Hugo Awards have been announced. The Hugo Award is an annual literary award for the best science fiction or fantasy works and achievements from the previous year. They are considered the premier award in science fiction. So for best novel, the finalists were Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse, The City We Became by N.K. Jemison, Harrow the Ninth by Tasman Muir, Piranesi. I hope I'm saying that right by Susanna Clark, which is on my to read list. I've heard incredible things about this book. The Relentless Moon by Mary Robinette Kowal and the winner was The Network Effect by Martha Wells. In bizarro news, the FBI has arrested a man accused of stealing unpublished book manuscripts. So I have been following the story for a while, and the only information I had is that someone was pretending to be some sort of official someone in the publishing world and emailing publishers and agents requesting unpublished or nearly finished manuscripts, which were then sent to this bogus account because the people on the other end thought this person was legit. This person, as far as anyone knew, hadn't gone on to reveal these manuscripts to anyone or sell them on the black market or anything like that. They weren't showing up online. Um, and I had sort of forgotten about the story until the FBI er- recently arrested Filippo Bernardini, an Italian citizen who worked in publishing, and he has been arrested for identity theft and wire fraud. He's 29 years old, and he was a rights coordinator for Simon & Schuster UK. He was arrested upon landing in New York City. So stay tuned for more about this story about stealing stories, which I think would make a good story. And for my last little book tidbit today, Betty White will be immortalized in a forthcoming comic book biography. The 30 page comic will look at her Hollywood journey. So if you are a Betty White fan and who isn't, you may want to add this to your wish list. With everything going on in the world, I can't think of a better time than right now to speak to a therapist. Of course, they can help you with the big things, but it can also help to speak with someone about the smaller things, like what may be preventing you from achieving your goals, or what may be getting in the way of your happiness. If this resonates with you, check out betterhelp.com listener. Look, we all can use someone to talk to who can bring a different perspective. BetterHelp will assess your needs and pair you up with your own licensed professional therapist. You don't even have to leave your home. You can be connected in a safe and private online environment. It's oh so convenient. Start communicating in under 48 hours. That means you can start the new year off right and find a professional and affordable therapist to speak with about anything, including depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleep issues, and more. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhealth.com listener. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash listener. I'm thrilled to have Carrie and Amy, the hosts of the Perks of Being a Book Lover podcast, with us today. Their podcast is absolutely fantastic, and they're already on their sixth season, which is so impressive. And it's so fun to listen to two friends chat about books, especially since I'm an island of one over here. So if you're not already listening to this podcast, you definitely should be. So welcome, Carrie and Amy.
1: Thank Thanks you so much. It's a thrill to be on. I've been listening to your podcast for a while
2: now. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Well, this is a first for me, interviewing two people at once. So uh we had to do the old high school <laughs> three-way phone call, which took me back to early nineties. The nostalgia just <laughs> yes. like coming back now. Yeah. <laughs> we almost got a stranger on the podcast by accident. Totally my doing. So where are you calling in from today?
1: We are both located in Louisville Kentucky I moved here about 15 years ago Gary is a lifelong uh resident of Louisville Kentucky anything else you want to say about that Gary <laughs> no I think <laughs> no nope. that's pretty much it yeah so um uh, we've known each other for uh, about 15 years we met very soon after I moved here so yeah that's that's where that's where we are
2: and how do you know I know you know each other but how do you two know each other?
0: So we were both in a, uh, we were both stay-at-home moms. Uh, she, Amy, her youngest, so her youngest is about a year older than my oldest. Um, so we were both in a mom's group and then the mom's group uh started a book club and then that book club sort of merged with another book club that Amy was in charge of. I think that's the story, isn't it, Amy? That's the story, yeah. And then, and so we just between the mom's group and then book club and um, and then our kids, like we, we just know a lot of people in common. So we've sort of been, you know, in each other's business for many, many years at this point.
2: And what made you want to start a book podcast?
1: That would be me. I was a huge listener of podcasts and all different kinds. I started out, the very first one I ever listened to was Serial, which was a true crime podcast. I don't listen to true crime podcasts very much anymore. I soon morphed into mainly listening to book podcasts and... I kind of am a little bit picky about my book podcast. I don't want to know any spoilers. So I wasn't really big into podcasts where they were talking about one specific book, you know, sort of like book club. And I don't know, just one day I thought, you know, I think that would be a really fun thing to do. But unlike you, I was too nervous to do it by myself. That intimidated me. And I thought I really need somebody to do it with me. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like fixated on Carrie and uh, I just thought that she would be like the perfect partner for me. And I don't know that I even realized this at the time, but we actually do have personalities that are kind of opposites in a lot of ways, but we work really well together. Uh, and so I think it has been a really good, um, it's been a really good partnership in that, in that way.
0: It wasn't because I didn't want to do it. It was just, I had multiple projects and other things that I was doing. And then I I sort of finished a project and I was like done, needed a break. And so I was like, let's do this, And so we started, you know, we started kind of getting information. And then I think we recorded or started broadcasting our first episodes about five months later, maybe.
2: Oh, wow. So it took years to get her to do it. But then you relatively quickly had your first podcast? That's amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we spent about five or six months practicing, um, you know, recording, talking, talking on a microphone without, you know, feeling overly nervous about it. Um, we have brought in some friends to be guinea pigs, to be practice guests, you know, um, to try to figure all that out. So, yeah, I mean, I guess from the time that we sort of st- had, to, you know, we're definitely going to do this till the time that we did our. F- very first episode it was probably about six months
0: so, we spent a lot of time in a very small closet sweaty because you yeah. don't really want to get two middle-aged women in a
1: closet together that is just there's just a lot we, of sweat happening. we were trying to find the most um <laughs> audio friendly place and you know when you read on when you're starting one and you read online a lot of people Uh, recommend doing, if you have a big enough closet, to do it in a closet because it's nice and small. Usually there's soft things around, you know, clothes or what have you, that help, you know, muffle some of that um, odd reverberation that you can, you know, you can have. And so that's what we did. I had one really big closet and I put a tiny little desk in there and we brought all of our stuff in there. We sat in that closet and practiced.
2: (laughs) That's amazing. I love that visual. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the hardest thing for me to figure out, but how do you decide what you're going to be reading next?
0: For I think the two of us we follow each other on Goodreads and so I I think we tend to keep an eye on what the other person's reading and I mean my rule is just read something that Amy's not reading. So you know, if I'm keeping track of what she's reading, sometimes she will be start a book and I'm like, Oh, that sounds good, but I know I can't read it, at least right then because We sort of have to, you know, we have to be able to talk about different books for the show. Now, I've got a whole stack of books that Amy has given me that I'll probably be able to read sometime in 2042. Um, You know, I mean, I'm assuming we will no longer be doing the podcast then. Who knows? Um, But... uh, you know, Amy and I, plus the other thing is Amy and I have very different reading personalities. Uh, you know, she has certain uh, genres and things that she gravitates toward. And I have cert- certain genres that I gravitate towards. Um, so we usually find that we're not, we're not overlapping too much.
2: And you each have three kids, which no doubt keeps you busy. Any tips for listeners on ways to get more reading into your life?
0: Oh, gosh. Well, wait for them to grow up. That helps. (laughs) You know, when they're little, you're just, I mean, read what you can, you know, really. My youngest is now 12. Um, And what I find is that the kids, now they're at the point where they don't need me all the time, but when they do need me, it's usually when I'm reading or when I'm trying to do anything that that really uh, requires all of my concentration, and that's just kids in that age. Um, but I tend to listen to audiobooks a ton. Uh, so whenever I'm in my car, uh, driving to groceries or whatever, you can get a lot done in your car. Um, and then also, and I wouldn't recommend this for people with young kids, but, but I, I stay up way too late reading. Don't do that if you have young kids, cause that's going to bite you in the butt the next day. My kids are older. They go off to school I'm not with them for seven hours. Um, so I, I can sort of fudge that rule a little bit myself.
1: I was looking at my GoodRead challenges, like my past GoodRead challenges, um, you know, uh, at the new year when I was making, you know, a new Goodreads goal. And I was looking at my history and it did seem like my, I've always been a big reader, as has Carrie, but it did seem like my reading um, amount, like exploded when my first child went to college. <laughs> and I assumed that I, there are probably several factors that, that went into that, but having one less kid in the house probably helped uh, quite a bit. And I obviously ditto the audiobooks. When I started listening to audiobooks, uh, it just pretty much, I wouldn't say it doubled, but it increased the number of books that I read by quite a bit. My last tip would be if you're a person who really likes to watch TV and I'm not a huge TV watcher, but what I, but with the, um, there are just so many good TV series right now, and lots of them are based on books. So if you're a person who really likes TV, one thing that I find really cool is if I see a series that's coming out that sounds interesting, I'll go back and read the book before I start watching that series. So maybe that would be an impetus for some people to, to read that book first and get more reading in.
2: Definitely. Now, did you all read more? or less of your Goodreads challenge books this year?
0: I read more. I had, um, so Amy beat me, like, not by that many last year. And it just, it bugged me, because I think I had said I wanted to read 100 books last year. And so with the pandemic, I, I really lowered my expectations. I was like, 85 books. If I can read 85 books in 2021, that's great. You know, I just, I aim lower. That was my motto in in 2021, and I read 140 books. I don't know how I did it. So I really uh, went way above what I anticipated. But I'm not. I mean, I still like for this year for 2022, I've still made 85 books my challenge. I'm still aiming low. That I think I think that 140 books. That's that's an anomaly. I don't expect that will happen again.
2: And I went over my
1: Goodreads. As well, I didn't read as many as Carrie. I read about 118, um, but that's still really that's still really good for me. I uh, anytime you, to me anytime you get over a hundred, that's like that's being uh, a little extra in a good way, a little extra.
2: Yeah, and I think the multitasking really helps. I know Carrie. I hear you're crocheting, which I recently took up over winter break.
0: <laughs> well, so crochet was actually my twenty. 20- Late 2020, early 2021. Now I'm cross stitch
2: Oh, you've moved. Yes, I've seen your cross-stitches online.
0: Crochet, but I have to sort of, because it's been a while, you know, it was like we were in our house, but then in the summer, life got busy again. And so I would have to like rewatch videos to remind myself how to crochet. Whereas with cross-stitch, that, I mean, that's, I don't know, you, you can you can be totally mindless and cross-stitch. So I happened to find... Um, it was like a a kit of like curse word cross stitching, <laughs> mm. so that's what I've been doing, and so I can finish up books. you know I can finish a cross stitch and finish a book in a day or two,
2: so oh, yeah, that's awesome, yeah, I've been listening to audiobooks and crocheting, and I don't know if it's the audiobooks that's distracting me, but my my crocheted <laughs> succulent is quite wonky. <laughs>
1: My daughter's also working on a crochet succulent while she was home from college. Um, I got it for her uh, for Christmas. It's like a kit and there's three different little succulents in this little bowl. She didn't finish it before she went back to school. She went back to school yesterday. But um, yeah, it was cool to see. I don't don't do crochet. I used to do cross stitch when I was younger, but now I worry about my eyes. Is it too small? Do you have to have like a magnifying glass, Carrie? Not yet.
2: So, Amy, why don't you go first for book recommendations?
1: So, today, Carrie and I are talking about books that we've had guests on our show recommend. And so, we do listen to those. Not only do we hope that our listeners get book recommendations from us to put on their TBR, but we, the hosts, also get book recommendations. So, the first one I'm going to talk about is called The Murmur of Bees by Sophia Segovia and uh this is a sofia sovigovia is a mexican author uh so this book was translated from the spanish and it has many characteristics of magical realism that is so often a touchstone in latin american literature and for those who are not sure what magical realism is it's when something fantastic or mythical is inserted into an otherwise realistic story so in this story um we have a family. It's set in a small Mexican town around the time of World War I in the great influenza of 1918. And there's a well-off family named the Moraleses, and they're landowners. And one of their servants, an old woman named Nana Rejas, who's been in the family, she's been a nanny for the children of this family for several generations. She finds a baby, a very unusual baby who was abandoned under a bridge. And the baby is disfigured and covered in a blanket of bees. And the villagers think that the baby's cursed, that he's the spawn of the devil. But the Moraleses take in the baby, name him Sinopio, and raise him as their own alongside their own son. And Sinopio doesn't really speak. He's got a really, a really bad hair lip. But as he gets older, he has visions about the future. And this swarm of bees follows him wherever he goes and protects him. But Sinopia's goal is to save and protect the Morales family from threats. More general threats like the coming of the Mexican Revolution, but also dangers that are even closer to home. And this is a sweeping family saga. We had a guest to our show to talk about this one. Her name was Robin Weiss. And then we, uh, carry picked it to read in our book club this past year um, based on that recommendation. And I will say that it won the favorite book of the year in our book club. And then Carrie crocheted these little bees for all of our members to remember Sinopio. So that was uh, a favorite book of mine for uh, 2021. Again, the name of the book was The Murmur of Bees by Sophia Adovia.
2: That sounds amazing. I want to read it. And then I would like a crocheted bee, please.
0: (laughs) I'll have to watch the videos again, but I can do that.
2: My first pick is All the Frequent Troubles of Our Days, The True Story of the American Woman at the Heart of the German Resistance to Hitler. This came out August 3rd of last year, and this book was given to me by a friend who's friends with the author Rebecca Donner. So this is a historical de- dive into the author's great-great-aunt, Mildred Harnick, who was originally from the Midwest, but at 26, she starts a PhD program in Germany. And since it's 1932, she bears witness to the rise of the Nazi party. She's outraged by what's happening around her and begins having secret meetings in her apartment. Students and other activists gather to discuss ways in which they can resist. Her involvement in the resistance gets more and more intense and dangerous as the days march forward towards World War II, until what she begins in her apartment grows into the largest underground resistance group in Berlin, and eventually Mildred becomes a spy. This book was incredibly well-researched. There are just pages and pages and pages of works cited at the end of the book, and even though this is a long book, it reads like a page-turning thriller, and it's a stark reminder about how being complicit in your community can allow hate and deranged leadership to take over. Even though we learn Mildred's fate right from the first pages of the book, her journey is a gripping and important one. And again, that is All the Frequent Troubles of Our Days, The True Story of the American Woman at the Heart of the German Resistance to Hitler by Rebecca Donner.
1: So the second book I'm going to talk about uh, was recommended by another guest to our show, Amy Hunter, who uh, works for the Mercantile Library in Cincinnati, Ohio, which is a membership library. And it's the type of of library that I had never heard of before we interviewed her. But she raved about this book, and I am an admitted animal nut, and I have a real soft spot for a good animal story. So when Amy was describing this book on our show, I knew I had to give it a try. So um, it's called Perestroika in Paris by Jane Smiley. And this is a novel about a group of animals. There is a racehorse named Perestroika, and she escapes from the racetrack west of Paris and wanders all the way into the city. And while she's nibbling grass in the park, she meets a dog, a German short-haired pointer named Frieda. And Frida used to have an owner, but her owner recently died. So now she's a street dog, and she sort of knows how to navigate that life. So Frida and Perestroika survive in the park for a while because Frida goes to the market where the stall owners kind of know her and give her scraps of vegetables and bread and cheese because she's such a cute, nice dog. And Frida takes these back to share with Perestroika. So they have some other animal friends in the park, including a duck couple and a bossy raven, but Perestroika begins to get a little curious and she explores a little further. She wanders into the backyard uh, in Paris where a young boy named, I think I'm saying, I'm not sure how to say his name, Etienne, E-T-I-E-N-N, E-T-I-E-N-N-E. I mm-hmm. really know how to say that.
2: Etienne. Mm-hmm.
1: Etienne, who lives with his almost 100-year-old great-grandmother. And Etienne is the only one who sees Perestroika and then Frida because his grandmother is virtually blind. So the boy um, then has them as a special secret. But how long can Perestroika, a beautiful thoroughbred racehorse, in the middle of Paris remain undetected. So this was just a wonderful book with quirky lovable animal characters and touching relationships. And Jane Smiley the author is a Pulitzer Prize winner and she's written a wide variety of types of books but I think this might be a, this type of book might be a little unusual for her but I do know that she has a penchant for horses. And I realized that anthropomorphizing Animals may not be a trope that everyone loves, but it's one that I totally dig. So if you also like that kind of book and you want to take a literary tour of Paris through the eyes of a horse, then give this one a try. And again, the name of that book is Paris Troika in Paris by Jane Smiley.
2: That sounds so fun. I love Jane Smiley. Carrie, what do you have for us?
1: So the book that
0: I chose, um, I tend to be a a bleak reader. I, I don't uh, mind, you know, depressing, uh, you know, grief, uh, sad books. So the one that I uh, recently finished was actually recommended by another one of our guests, Sanjay Savitaramuthu, who is uh, a dancer with the Louisville Ballet. And the book that he talked about that I then wanted to read is called "Wave" by Sanali Durani Yagala. It's her memoir. About when her husband, her two sons, and both of her parents were killed in the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami, mm. which followed an earthquake. Uh, her family was on vacation. It was uh, right after Christmas. And so the memoir moves through time. It sort of moves back and forth from the moment where her family sees the wave coming and they try to escape. Um, and, they're, and the wave sort of pushes all of them out of a, a jeep that they're riding to try to get away from it. Um, it goes through time from that point back even further to when she met her husband at Cambridge university. And then uh, she'll move to the present and, and she moves forward seven years from when that uh, tsunami took place. So it's a, it's a, it's a very long time period of her and how she's working through her grief. um, so the story is about grief and it is sad but it's also about learning to live with grief. For years she refuses to speak about her lost family because she doesn't want to weigh others down with that overwhelming pain. And and how do you explain you know how do you respond to somebody who says are you married or you know do you have children how do you explain such a huge tragedy to them you know without without just being overwhelmed herself. So the story is painful, but there is a unique objectivity that she has. I at least appreciated that she sometimes comes across as cold and detached, um, especially when she's describing how she felt uh, immediately after the tsunami when she was rescued from a tree that she had been clinging to. And so to me, it seems obvious that you know she was in shock and that becoming cold and detached can be a coping mechanism. I think that it's not one that people feel comfortable with. They they sort of expect people to sort of, you know, be overwrought crying and just carrying on and, and to have completely lost it. And so I really appreciated the fact that she she wasn't like that. It's You know, I thought to myself, maybe it's because she's she is trained as an economist, so sort of logical and pragmatic, and maybe that's why she's able to speak about her loss and write about it without seeming overly dramatic. So that is The Wave by Sonali Durrani Yaghal.
2: Sounds like you – I was going to say, it sounds like you have to emotionally be in the right place for that book.
0: For sure. For sure.
2: My last pick, I don't know what sort of – mental place you have to be to read this book because it's totally banana pants. It is called Good Rich People. It comes out tomorrow. And this is a total wild ride of a book full of dark humor and satire that dissects the uber wealthy struggle with the mundane. Lila and Graham are totally bored with their lives and unhappily married. And part of the problem may be that they live on the same property as Graham's mother. And the only pleasure that they get is derived from toying with whomever happens to rent the living space below them. So um, the people who have rented below them before have had horrible things happen to them. Their latest target, Demi, is a successful businesswoman whom they are ready to make their pawn for their next game. But Demi is not who she seems to be. In fact, one night, Demi goes out, I think it's on her, her, maybe her first night staying with them. Uh, She goes out looking for drugs and things go terribly wrong. And the woman who returns to Demi's house is not, in fact, Demi, but someone pretending to be her. So for Lyle and Graham, her landlords, they don't know this because Demi had just moved in and they actually hadn't met her yet. So when Graham and Lila start messing with their new tenant, they have no idea what they're actually up against. The web of entanglements continue to crescendo throughout this suspenseful novel. If you are the type of reader who needs to like your characters, then this is not the book for you. This is a dark book that explores class, wealth, and social standing. I equated this book with like a Heather's Meets succession. So thank you to NetGalley and Berkeley for the advanced review copy. And again, that is Good Rich People by Eliza Jane Brazier. So thank you so much for visiting us today, Carrie and Amy. It was a pleasure. And everyone should go listen to their wonderful podcast, The Perks of Being a Book Lover. Before we go, where can people find you on social media and see your cross-stitch and posts about the podcast?
1: So you can find us on Instagram at Perks of Being a Book Lover Pod. And we have a website, Perks PerksOfBeingABookLover.com. And we're also on Facebook as just The Perks of Being a Book
2: Lover. I'll include links in the show notes, of course, to all social media accounts and to any and all books we've talked about today. Up next for me is When We Lost Our Heads by Heather O'Neill. Carrie, what are you going to read next?
0: I'm going to read The Rot by Siri Peterson.
2: And Amy?
1: I uh, just started a book called The Girl with All the Gifts by M.A. Carey.
2: Excellent. To everyone else, I'll be back in two weeks. And you can reach me at booksaremypeople at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at Jennifer Calogaris, And I hope you all have a wonderfully bookish week.
1: You can find Jennifer Caloyeras at her website, jennifercaloyaris.com. That's spelled C-A-L-O-Y-E-R-A-S. Or on Instagram at Jennifer Caloyeras. For show notes
0: for any episode, go to our website at perksofbeingabooklover.com. We're also on Instagram at perksofbeingabookloverpod and on Facebook at perksofbeingabooklover. To send us a message, go to our website and click the contact button.
1: We hope that you have made if no other New Year's resolution than to at least listen to our podcast more, tell people about it, and maybe even write an awesome review on your favorite podcast platform. Finally, a huge thank you
0: to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots community radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there live or in archives at forwardradio.org.